How y'all are? I hadn't seen you for a while, it seems like. Good to see you out there. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm some guy named Doug. I'm, I'm here. Our lesson this morning comes from the 11th chapter of Luke's Gospel. Hear these words. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, Teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive our sins, for, ourselves, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to a time of trial. And when he had said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked. And my children are with me in bed, and I cannot give up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give them anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search and you will find, knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. For last week, this week, and a couple of weeks hence, we are looking at some of the... Um, Basics, some of the rudiments, some of the foundations of being a Methodist Christian. And that's Methodism is a proper adjective to put before Christian because it's how we practice our faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at John Wesley. He was an interesting character. The man traveled a quarter of a million miles on the back of a horse. A quarter of a million miles on the back. He ran through several horses. It's said of Wesley, he was out one day and his horse came up lame and there was nobody with Wesley. So he got off the horse, went to the front of the horse, put his hand on the horse, had prayer for the horse, and the horse was miraculously healed. I don't know if it's true or not, but Wesley needed that horse to do that thing. John Wesley wrote volumes that are still being published of journals and letters and treatises and commentaries, voluminous correspondence. And John Wesley got up every morning at 4 a.m. and prayed for four hours. 
4 a.m., prayed for four hours. And in the evening, he spent another hour in prayer. Lived an incredible life, and the movement he began, we still uh, gather under the auspices of the word Methodist, and that's how we practice our spiritual lives. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about spiritual disciplines, the way we Methodists talk about spiritual disciplines. And the word is, the phrase is actually a little oxymoronic, spiritual and discipline. We don't think discipline goes with anything because we have in our minds this notion of discipline as punishment. But that is not how Wesley talked about it, and that is not how we talk about it. We talk about discipline in terms of practicing. I started when I was 40 years old taking piano lessons. And for five or six years, I took piano lessons. And there's a certain discipline that comes with wanting to learn to play the piano. Because you know, on a weekly basis, you're going to meet with your teacher And she's going to say, you didn't practice that one very good, did you? Uh If you are an athlete and you want to excel at a sport, whatever sport, there is a certain discipline that comes with practicing and becoming proficient at that sport. If you're a fisherman or a hunter, if if, um, you want to run track or run a run, want to run marathons, there is a certain discipline that comes with doing and accomplishing that which you set out to do. And it's a discipline that is not odious or arduous. It's a discipline that brings you joy because it's going to lead you into a deeper proficiency of that which you want to become proficient at. You got it? Discipline's a good thing. So when we talk about spiritual disciplines, it is not something that should weigh us down. It is not something that should be hard for us. It should bring us joy as we practice these disciplines. And they become so important in my life and my understanding of the Christian faith. You know, I wasn't raised Methodist. I grew up in another church. And I was baptized when I was 16 years old, and um, I went to um, a college that was sponsored by that denomination. I went to a seminary sponsored by that denomination, and in the denomination of my baptism, we were interested every Sunday in getting you saved. We were going to preach a sermon that was evangelistic, that was going to make you feel guilty, that was going to cause you to go to the altar and kneel down and give your heart to Jesus. Even if you did it three or four times, we wanted you to do it yet again. And we all learned how to give the altar call with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Everybody that loves your mama, raise your hand. Everybody that loves your country, raise your hand. Everybody that loves your children, raise your hand. Now all of you who raise your hand come to the altar and get saved. And I say that because I grew up that way and I listened to that way and I love my pastor and and I've got a lot of my pastor's books. When he retired, I got most of his library. But I wanted more. I wanted to know what does it mean now that I'm saved? How do I live for Jesus now that I'm saved? What comes next now that I'm saved? And I wanted to stop some sermons on Sunday morning and say, Brother Van, What comes next? 
And his answer was Sunday night church or Wednesday night church. That's what comes next. And I go through college and I go through seminary and I've still got the same hunger because in seminary, believe it or not, if you want to get separated from your spiritual life, you go to seminary. You're doing Greek verbs and Hebrew words and you're doing exegesis and you're reading theologians and you're doing all this philosophy, but you're not really growing in grace. And it was when I arrived in the Methodist church and I found these Wesleyan spiritual disciplines which belong to a great rich theological heritage our Catholic brothers, our Anglican brothers and sisters, the Presbyterians, the Episcopalians, we all have parts of these. And Wesley talked about the means of grace as spiritual disciplines, the means of grace. Searching the scriptures, praying, fasting, regular worship attendance, healthy living, and faith sharing. Now, for you Methodists who know all about these things, you realize that I have just listed the works of mercy or the works of piety. I have not talked about the works of mercy. That'll come next week. And I've also listed not the corporate, not the corporate works of piety, but the individual works of piety. That is my statement of informed consent. I know I'm leaving part of them out. Searching the scriptures, praying, fasting, regular worship attendance, healthy living, and faith sharing. Those are what Wesley said were the works of piety, and by practicing those disciplines, you grow in your faith relationship with Christ. Now, we're all different, we're all unique. Some of those you went, I like that. I like to search scripture. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start a sword of the Lord club. You remember sword of the Lord drill? Anybody do sword of the Lord drills? Somebody would stand up and say, book of Malachi. And if you were the first one to get to the book of Malachi, you got a prize. You know, book of Timothy. Where's Timothy? Did you know you can cheat in sword of the Lord drills? If you'll put talcum powder between the pages of your Bibles, they'll turn quicker. I don't know how I know that, but I know that. And some people just love getting in the Word and, and, and playing with, with the language, both prose and poetry and and I confess that, that I'm, a, I'm a word person. I want to get in there and I want to play with the Bible and I want to mark things and I want to write notes and I want to highlight. Some people like to pray. That's what they want to do. And they spend hours a day. There are some Methodists in this church that spend hours a day on their face before God, praying for themselves, praying for their church, praying for other people. And some people have the gift of intercessory prayer. It just comes natural as breathing for them to, to reach out and to call upon God. There are not a lot of Methodists who are fasters. Did it a couple of years ago. We, had, we fasted every Friday for Lent. And oh boy, preacher, I want to fast for Lent. Can I have a quarter pounder with cheese at lunch? That's the way we Methodists do things. We're going to find a way around it. 
Some people do fast, and in fasting they discover that when they remove something from their life, they can add something to their lives. Regular worship attendance, yes, you should. Healthy living, yes, you should. Sharing your faith, yes, you should. And some of those will appeal to different people, different ways, and Wesley did not create a checklist. He didn't create a checklist where he go, well, I've searched the scriptures, I've, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've gone to church, I've done healthy living, I've done faith sharing. He, he created these disciplines or he talked about these disciplines and articulated them as a way you and I can grow our faith and each one of us is going to grow our faith differently. Please hear that. Your faith and my faith are going to be different. So you discover what works for you and what gives meaning for you. But these are some three things I want to say about our disciplines. First of all, these spiritual disciplines allow us to encounter God. They're there so we can encounter our Lord and his relationship with God and then through him, God himself. The disciples saw Jesus pray and they wanted to know how to do that because what Jesus was doing was so holy and so spiritual. He obviously was in touch with his heavenly father. And he tells the people, and he tells the disciples this several times as he does something miraculous. What the gospel writers tell us is that when Jesus cured the multitudes or taught the multitudes, when Jesus had expended himself spiritually, Luke says this, he would then withdraw to a deserted place and pray. In practicing the presence of God in prayer, Jesus encountered God, and he encountered God in a way that continued to transform him and continued to inform the way he lived. So we practice, and as we practice spiritual disciplines, we have an encounter with the transcendent. We have an encounter with God. We're not doing them as spiritual push-ups. We're doing them to allow space for God in our lives. Second, our spiritual disciplines take a certain amount of perseverance and persistence in carrying out. Jesus tells the story after he's given the pattern we call the Lord's Prayer. He tells the story of a man who knocks on his friend's door and says, I need bread. I need three loaves because a friend of mine has come to visit me. And as Jesus tells this story, we're kind of caught up and we're wondering, well, is God mean? Does God not answer us when we pray? That's not the point of Jesus' story. Jesus is saying you need to keep knocking. You need to be persistent to get an answer. And then he goes on and says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. We are called 
to persevere. We're called to keep going. We're called to go deeper. Grammar lesson for today. There are no Greek words. There are no Hebrew words. But I am going to tell you that in Greek, when Jesus said, everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. All three of those words in Greek are participles. They are er durative aorist participles. There was your grammar lesson. Durative aorist participles. What does that mean? A durative aorist participle is an action that takes place at a definitive point in time and continues to eternity. Knock. How long do I keep knocking to eternity? Seek. How long do I keep seeking to eternity? Ask. How long do I keep asking to eternity? Our relationship, our depth, our, our spiritual disciplines are based not on doing it at 2.30 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon and saying, I'm done. It's based on persistence and perseverance, and we just keep on keeping on, keep on keeping on. Yesterday I was um, cooking for the family. My mother-in-law had her 92nd birthday yesterday, and the family descended. That's how I'll describe it, the family descended. There were nearly 30 people in my house yesterday. And the fire marshal says, the house can have no more than three people. They came anyway. Oh my goodness, they were there. So there were two groups, there were the crawfish eaters and the meat eaters. I was cooking for the meat eaters and my phone sent me a text message and you're required by ministerial law to look at your text message on a Saturday morning, I did. And members of the church, believe it or not, will be in Bible study or be in their prayer time or devotional time, and they'll stop and ask me a question. And so a question was asked, and I answered the question. I've got to find out if I gave the right answer or not, but I answered the question. And as a result of the question, I kept reading. It was a question about the book of Acts, and I kept reading, and I came upon this guy who's in the book of Acts. His name is Apollos. He's in the 18th chapter. And what the text says is, now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in scriptures, and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. That guy is cool. He's got everything we would want to be a leader. He's eloquent. He's well-versed in the Bible. He's been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. I want some Methodists that have burning enthusiasm. Luke's going to tell us, though he knew only the baptism of John, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him inside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. He didn't know it all. He had burning enthusiasm and well-versed in Scripture. He knew about Jesus, but he didn't know it all. He needed to persevere 
and hang in there and be willing to be taught and be persistent in his disciplines to continue to learn. We're called to keep growing and keep learning. And then our disciplines equip us. They equip us to serve Christ and to live for him. At the end of our text, Luke tells us these things, has Jesus say these things. But if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Why does God give us the Holy Spirit? Paul is going to tell us. Likewise, the Spirit. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we should pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Our spiritual disciplines equip us to meet God. Our spiritual disciplines equip us to share the grace of God with other people. Our spiritual disciplines are a gift and a practice that lead us into this deeper relationship with Jesus. There's a book on my shelf that I pulled out again, and I bought this book in 1989, and I keep, I keep pulling it off my shelf. Every three or four or five years, I'll pull it down and I'll read it. And the book's called The Sermon Doctor. And I know some of you think my sermons need to go to intensive care. But The Sermon Doctor, is it, it's a book about preaching, but it's, it's done in story form, and there's so much learning in there, and it just sneaks up on you. And sometimes I review stuff I already know and know very well, and sometimes I review stuff I'm not doing so well, and it's just a growing experience. It's become a discipline for me as a preacher. And I've been preaching now for 47 years. And still, there's more to learn. There are proficiencies to gain. There are deeper ways to communicate. So I study. John Wesley didn't give us a checklist. He just made suggestions that we search the scriptures, that we pray, that we fast, that we regularly attend corporate worship, that we practice healthy living, and that we share our faith. Here's probably one of his motivations for it. Wesley, at the end of his life, had watched the church grow explosively in England. He had watched as the church had gone into North America and was taking roots as its own church. In England, it was still part of the Church of England. In North America, Methodism became its own movement. And here's what he said about Methodists. 
I am not afraid that the people called Methodist should ever cease to exist either in Europe or in America. But I am afraid, lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having a form of religion without the power. And this undoubtedly will be the case unless they hold fast both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they first set out. These spiritual disciplines keep us, our faith, and our church alive. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, we pray that you would help us and lead us as we discipline our hearts and our souls and our lives so that we are following you where you lead us to be. Bless us in that journey, we pray in your most holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.